Today's message is Go Tell It on the Mountain. It's the song, the song we just heard sung. It's also a message for us this morning. And thanks to a person named John Wesley Work Jr., we have this song in print. John Wesley Work was an African-American choir director from Tennessee. And this was his desire with this song that we sang. That it be put into print. He wanted it for the African-Americans, those who would know about their ancestors. The songs that they sung in the times of slavery. For back then, the songs were passed down through what? Oral tradition. And he wanted to put it into a songbook. And Go Tell It on the Mountain is one of those works that was composed and written down for that songbook itself. And this song captures the feeling, the heart, the emotion of one unknown slave. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. You realize this slave who sung this, this unknown anonymous poet, was most likely unable to read. But he sang, and oh, he could sing. And as he sang, he imagined the reaction of the shepherds on that Christmas night when Christ the Savior was born, when he heard the astounding news of Christ's birth. But I want you to hear this this morning. This song, this message, go, tell it on the mountain, is not just a song to be sung by African-American slaves or descendants. It's a song to be sung by each and every person who has been delivered from the bondage of sin, yet still suffer, yet still wait for their complete redemption. It's a song for you and for me. It's a song which actually predates the African slave trade. A song that most likely has its roots that go back to the book of Isaiah, a time nearly 600 years prior to Christ's birth. So with that in mind, would you turn now in your Bibles to Isaiah? In the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 52. And I'll be reading verses 7 through 10 of Isaiah 52. To give you a little context for this passage as you turn to Isaiah, we find the prophet Isaiah speaking to Jews, Jews who have been carried away against their will to Babylon. Babylon, the Babylonians, were the reigning supreme superpower of their day. And the Jews are now exiles. You could say slaves, slaves in a foreign land. And in our passage today, God has a word for his people, his exiled people, He has a word or a hymn. This is actually what we're going to read is a hymn, a hymn of hope for a people which he likens to a besieged city. What we're going to read is metaphorically speaking, okay? God is saying to his exiled Jews, you are a besieged city. You are like a walled city, walled and wasted, surrounded by enemies. And to these besieged people, the prophet gives them hope, a vivid picture of joy and celebration that anticipates the return 
their return from exile, relief from their enemies, and release from slavery. So let's read, starting with verse 7 of Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your revealed word. Thank you for song. Thank you for the means of grace they are to our souls. And may they be so this morning. Lord, we ask that joy would arise this morning. I think most of us here are very aware that we cannot manufacture joy. It's not that comes from you. It's a work of the heart. But Lord, we ask you to do that. I ask you to do that in my heart this morning for each person here. That faith would arise. That salvation would spring forth as we hear your word, as we expound your word, as we receive it, and as we sing it this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church, the main point this morning is simply this. We, as Christians, have good news to be sung. We're going to talk about what that means. We have news, yes, to sing. We have great news to be believed, to be anticipated. And we have good news to be told. So that's where we're going this morning. But I'm aware when you you hear, go tell on the mountain. Perhaps it's easy to think, wow, here we go. One more thing to do at Christmas. Go buy that gift. Check. Go make that Christmas Noche Buena meal. Check. Go tell on the mountain. Tell people the reason for the season. Check. This message is not just one more command. It's not just one more thing that we need to do at Christmas. No, it's a response. It's a song of the heart when God does a work in your heart and you truly believe. But go tell on the mountain is not just for evangelists. It's not just for those who may be feeling joyful this morning. How about those who aren't? It's for you too. It's a song for those who are struggling to believe. Struggling to believe that the Lord reigns right now in your circumstances in your current circumstances, when the news around you does not seem at the moment very good at all. You see, go tell it on the mountain is a battle cry for the besieged. It speaks of exceedingly good news to be proclaimed, even or especially when you are in a dark place. So point number one, It is good news. Oh, it is exceedingly good news. Look back at verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet 
of him who brings good news. We have a little work to do here to explain what is happening in this imagery, in this metaphor being put forth. Number one, we have a picture of a messenger, a herald. This is back before the days of text messaging, right? Social media. How do you deliver a message? How do you deliver a message to a people who are walled in and besieged in a time of war? You send a herald. You send a messenger. So we have a picture of a messenger who's going over the mountains and over the hills to, to be able to bring news to God's people, the Jews, a besieged and exiled people. But I want to be clear here. I'm not sure what imagery you have in your mind when you try to picture this scene right here. But I want to disabuse you of some false notions here, okay? When we see how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, we're not talking about Julie Andrews dancing among the wildflowers in the Austrian Alps, singing the hills are alive. That's not what's to be pictured here. This is not a Disney movie. This is not some character meandering over the green and verdant hills, through the castle, through the woods. That is not... What is being pictured here? No. What is being pictured here is a soiled, is a sweaty messenger who is running across the barren and brown hills of Palestine of the Middle East to bring good news to a besieged city who is under attack and in war. That's what we see right here. It's a people who are walled up, who are breathlessly awaiting the news or outcome of a cruel conflict with the enemy. The whole city is there, and they're wondering, what is the news he brings? Is it victory? Is it salvation? Have we been delivered from the hands of the enemy? Or is the news defeat? Is all hope lost? And then suddenly, on the distant hill, the messenger, the herald is seen, and he's coming. He's coming close. And he appears to be singing. And he has a palm branch of victory in his hand. And as he comes closer, you can see his expression. He's animated. There's light in his eyes. And he says, the Lord has won. The victory is ours. You get it? That's what's happening. And upon reflection, we then read, oh, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him. Oh, yes, they are. That bring good news. Who publishes peace. Who brings good news of happiness. Who publishes salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. What is this good news that this messenger, that this herald has brought and thus published? Number one, It is peace. It is peace to a war-torn and tattered people. But when you read the word peace, just don't think cessation of hostilities or conflict, a momentary truce. That's not what is being proclaimed here by the herald. Oh, it goes much deeper than that. The word for peace is a word you've probably heard. It's the word shalom. Shalom. It means completion. Fulfillment, wholeness, nothing is left undone. Every terrorist has been rooted out. Your enemy has been vanquished. It's over. It's done. It is finished. Let righteousness and prosperity flourish. 
God has prevailed. All is well with my soul. This morning, as I was getting ready, my wife told me a story. Maybe you heard the story of a young girl. Her name was Sapphire. Is Sapphire. About a year and a half ago, her house was burned down. Her brothers died in that fire and so did her father. And this little girl, 75% of her body was burned badly. She lost her left leg and her right hand. And I don't know if it was a reporter or who it was, asked this little girl, Sapphire, what do you want for Christmas? And I found the response most interesting. She said, I, it's a little girl now. I don't know what age, very young. I, I don't want any presents. I don't want a doll. I don't want any toys. I want Christmas cards. I want Christmas greetings. And she was like saying, I want good news. Well, her response was posted on Facebook. You know, I imagine it went out across the world. Then Cindy, my wife, showed me a clip this morning. And it's a clip of a police escort of three mail trucks pulling up to her house. 200,000 greeting cards and Christmas cards had been sent to this little girl. So here was a policeman, three mail trucks that we could count, and Santa leading the charge to this little girl's house. That's what's happening here. When you hear this herald, Think of a police escort of three, no 10, no 20 mail trucks coming with the good news of Christmas to a people whose land and city had been burnt, people who were suffering and besieged. But it wasn't Santa leading the way. It's Christ coming to them and saying, I am with you. God has not abandoned you in your affliction. You may think even in your own sin that God has abandoned you in exile, but I haven't abandoned you, and I still reign. I reign over the past, I reign over the present, and I reign over the future. And you know what? That arson, he's locked up. He's not going to do any more bad to you. That arson in your heart, neither will he. And you know what else? Your home that was burned down, oh, it would be restored. Your family, most of all, will be restored. That is the good news. That is the exceedingly good news that is being brought to the people here in Isaiah 52. But don't think for a moment that Isaiah is speaking only about the enemy being Babylon or later the Persians. I don't believe the shalom the salvation spoken about here is simply referring to the Jews' return to Jerusalem or from exile. This passage in Isaiah, written nearly 600 years before Christ's birth, speaks of Jesus, the one who was called the Prince of Peace, the one who disarmed every ruler and authority, triumphing over them at the cross. Colossians 2.15 It speaks of Jesus, the one who said upon the cross, it is finished, done. This hymn of Isaiah, this prophetic news, speaks to all those who have been redeemed, who have been liberated from the bondage of sin and death, and who can point to Jesus and say, our God reigns. 
from the cradle to the cross to the consummation when all things will be made new. And this is good news. This is exceedingly good news. That's not just to be received. What else? It's good news that is to be sung. And that leads to point number two. It is news to be sung. Look at verse eight in your Bible. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. You see back in verse 7, we hear the lone voice of a herald or messenger. But in verse 8, oh, it's the watchmen who now break out in song. Who are the watchmen? They were the ones on the walls watching for news of any herald or messenger. And they would have been the first ones to see the herald coming and to receive and interpret, as it is in verse 8, good news that indeed the Lord himself is returning to his people. He has come. And now that solo herald is joined by an ensemble, the watchmen, and together, what do they do? They sing. But it doesn't end there. The waste places of Jerusalem, those aren't even on the wall who can't even see the messenger coming are called to break forth as well into singing. Notice the verbiage, break forth together. You catch that? This is loud singing. This is joyous. Yes, even raucous singing. It's like pent-up emotion that's been released at a time of captivity and war. It's a flash mob of praise to God for the good news of their salvation. Please don't overlook or minimize this, what is being pictured here. The text, the Bible, the word says they are singing. They are rejoicing at the good news of salvation. If you've been with us the last several Sundays, the last four Sundays, we've been singing the songs of Advent. We've been also preaching on them as well. That you may understand and know that which we are singing. We sang them again with the children this morning. You see, Christmas sings, doesn't it? Christmas sings like no other holiday. You ever thought of that? I mean, I really appreciate Memorial Day, Labor Day, but... I don't know too many Memorial Day or Labor Day songs, all right? They may be out there. I don't know a lot. I know there are, I know a few patriotic Fourth of July songs, but I don't know any that are sung like 24-7 for weeks in every department store on the radio prior to Fourth of July. I don't. I've yet to hear a good Halloween hymn, okay? I'm just saying. It doesn't exist. But Christmas is unique. I know most of the younger crew here know or use Spotify. It's an online music streaming service. Well, according to some research done on Spotify, this was last December, 2014. Listen to this. There were 914,000 Christmas songs or tracks on Spotify. That's nearly 1 million Christmas song recordings. Let's, pardon the pun, unwrap this data a little further, okay? We find of those nearly 1 million Christmas songs, 180,000 of those are unique songs. Different Christmas-themed songs. 180,000 different 
Christmas songs. I was curious, maybe you are. Well, what's the most common Christmas song on Spotify? What is the most recorded Christmas song ever? Ready? Little drum roll. You ready? Silent Night. With over 19,000 different recordings of that song. And over half of the top 20 most recorded songs, Christmas, are traditional Christ-centered Christmas carol. Isn't it amazing? Given today's culture and music, that's remarkable. But you know what else? Even the Christmas songs that don't speak of Christ, for example, White Christmas, the second recorded, most commonly recorded Christmas song of all time, even songs like that, listen to them. You know what they are? They're a longing in our hearts for shalom, a longing for peace, a longing to be at home, a longing for peace which only Christ can bring. I mean, listen, I like snow, sleigh bells, okay. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. By the way, we tried that one year. They're nasty, okay? Just, I just want to know. We did it. They're nasty. There's nothing romantic about it, sentimental about it, okay? Just don't go there. But snow, sleigh bells, okay, Santa. Listen, Santa and sleigh bells and snow cannot and will not inspire one million Christmas songs. They can't. Only Christ can. See, the songs we sing at Christmas, the words we put in our greeting cards, they're not just sentimental attempts to kind of recapture that feeling or spirit of Christmas, whatever that may be. No, these songs that we sing as Christians are responses of the heart of those who have been comforted by the gospel, who are learning to derive comfort and courage and hope from the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the songs we sing as well, they're not just responses of the heart. You know what? My heart sometimes can be kind of cool. It can feel numb. Even the familiarity of the songs I sing. The songs we sing are also reminders to ourselves of what Christ has promised, that Christ has come and he has promised to come again. These songs are what we wield in this fight for faith and joy. And that leads to the third point. This is news to be believed. Oh, to be believed in our heart. Now you may think, well, that's kind of rhetorical. Of course, that's what we're talking about, right? Believing? But what I'm getting at is this. And this may be the most important point of all. The joy of the herald, the joy of the watchman on the wall, of the waste places of Jerusalem, found in Isaiah 52, was a joy in anticipation. A joy in anticipation of what God promised to do. You understand Isaiah is speaking to a people who are still besieged. The walls are still there, and so are the waste places, so to speak, metaphorically. In other words, he's speaking to a people who are still in Babylon. God is coming to set them free, to restore them and return them. But he hasn't come yet. Christmas has not yet come. And yet, what do we find them doing in this picture in Isaiah? They're singing. And they're called to sing as if it's already happened. It's as if God had prophesied through Isaiah what he prophesied is as good as done. It's as if they've seen with their own eyes 
the return of the Lord. Verse 8, knowing they have been, past tense, redeemed. Verse 9, church, this requires faith. The eyes of faith. You see, at Christmas, we do celebrate Christ's coming and what he has done. Christ, God himself incarnate, coming to earth, being born as a little babe, living the perfect life that we could not live in our place, dying upon the cross as our sin substitutes in your place, rising from the dead, resurrected, ascending to heaven. All that has happened, past tense. Salvation has come. But, but, all that God has promised to do in Christ has not yet taken place. Freedom from all sin has not yet taken place. The vanquishing of all our enemies has not yet taken place. Complete physical healing has not yet taken place. That's future tense, is it not? It will be ours. When Christ returns the second time, when all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God, verse 10. But until then, where we live today, isn't that true? We still can feel very besieged by our own sin and by our enemies. We can fill the gap between who we are and who we will one day be perfected in Christ. And even if that gap is narrowed, and we're growing as Christians, we're growing in grace. The reality is, oftentimes, our circumstances have not yet changed. The debt lingers. The child payments continue. The child support continues. We still have that same boss. We still have that same chronic illness. Arthritis flare-ups continue. And the malignant tumor has not gone away. Yet, even then, even now, as we are, we are called to sing. And yes, believe. This is what we do at Christmas. And should be doing, yes, all year long. So you understand, when the slaves sung this song, Go Tell on a Mountain, they were still slaves when they sung it. Go tell on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. They're singing, they're believing, but they're still slaves. Oh, if they were Christian, they had been delivered from the tyranny of sin, but not from their earthly slave, slave masters. For all those slaves who were Christians, their spiritual emancipation had come. But their physical emancipation had not yet arrived. So when they sing, yes, in one sense, go tell on the mountain the good news, they're looking back that Christ has come. Yes, and what he accomplished for us at the cross in liberating us from the penalty and the power of sin. But believe me, they're looking forward as well to glory. Read some of these old folk hymns. They're looking to glory. The day they will be with him in heaven. It's both and. Do you see it? How about the shepherds in the Christmas story? The shepherds who sung, who were sung about in this song, Go Tell on the Mountain. 
We read in the song. We'll sing it at the end here. The shepherds feared and trembled. When low above the earth rang out the angels' chorus that hailed the Savior's birth. And lo, when they heard it, they all bowed down to pray. Then traveled on together to where the baby lay. The angels. The glory of God. Opened up in song before the angels. They saw the glory of God. And the angelic host proclaiming Christ's birth. These shepherds were the first eyewitnesses, other than Joseph and Mary, to see the baby Jesus. I don't know. Maybe they saw him. Maybe they even touched him. I don't know. But they saw God incarnate with their own eyes. But you know what happened? After the shepherds saw the glory of God, after the skies opened up and they set their eyes upon baby Jesus, do you know what happened? You ever thought about it? Luke 2.20 tells us. They returned. They returned home. Sounds a little anticlimactic, doesn't it? They returned home. No, they didn't return home because they didn't have a home. They returned back to the craggy, dark mountainsides of Palestine where they tended sheep. That was the home they returned to. That home was where they would be still and remain second-class citizens. The bottom of the rung, the ladder in Jewish society. They were still considered the stinky, lowly, sleep-deprived shepherds. You see, they were shepherds before Christmas, and they were still shepherds after Christmas. But that didn't stop the shepherds from singing and telling what they heard on the mountains, over the hills, and everywhere. It didn't stop the slaves from singing in the fields or the watchmen on the wall bursting with joy. They sang and they believed. They took God at his word. I don't know if you've noticed how many Christmas songs A number of them do. They slip from singing about Christ's first coming, his birth, Christ the newborn king, to singing about Christ the returning king. It's as if they're conflating the first coming and the second coming, as if they're one. Why do the songs do that? Because Christ's first coming guarantees and secures his second coming. They're all ours. Even as we wait, the already and not yet, we wait for that return in that second coming. Oh, the words use different songs, but that's what's embedded. That's the hope embedded in the songs we sing. As Christians, we sing in faith. As those who have been saved, who are being saved, and will be saved. As those who know God's peace, shalom. But still have to go home and clean out the fridge. You know what I'm talking about? Church, God is calling us to have eyes of faith. He's also calling us this morning to have feet of faith. God is calling us to be joyful responders and singers whose lives and hopes are built around the gospel. Christ, excuse me, Christ's first coming, Christmas, and Christ's second coming, consummation. But maybe if you're like me, you find yourself asking, but why do I have to wait so long? Oh, Lord. 
please hear this. Quoting 2 Peter 3.9, just listen. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is not slow. God is patient, desiring that no one should perish. Perish. You realize those, there are those around us. We work with those in our neighborhood who have no clue what Christmas is about. There's those on college campuses who have no, for all the education, have no clue what Christmas is about. No clue who Jesus Christ is or what he came to do. There are people in our midst who have never seen or spoken with, I should say, a credible witness of Christ. And that leads to the fourth and final point. This is news, church to be told. Oh, this Christmas, let us be ready to sing and to share about Jesus. Christmas is our time. Christmas preaches. Let us be those beautiful feet to the besieged, to the downcast, to the lonely, to the alienated. And there's a lot of them, especially this time of year. You know, they think, maybe you struggle with this too. They think I ought to be happy it's Christmas. But they're not. And they know no peace. And that only serves to depress them further. It's like the sentimentality that we try to capture at Christmas doesn't stick. And they wonder what's wrong. Church, by God's grace, and only by his grace, we have the answer. Listen to the Apostle Paul put up on the screen, Romans 10. I'm going to dive into part of that verse, verse 14 into 14 and 15. And how are they to hear, speaking of unbelievers, those who did not heard of Christ, without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, here we go, Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Oh, church, may God... This Christmas season, fit our feet with the gospel, Jesus Christ. What greater present could be received? What greater present could be given? As we sing this Christmas, as we share, as you share your faith with your family and with your friends, may God comfort and may God enliven your hearts with the truth the truths that we've been singing and share. And if you're here right now, your heart hasn't been alive with joy. You know bursts of happiness, but not the joy, certainly not the peace, the shalom, the all is well with my soul. And that is foreign to you this morning. You can receive that joy too. You can receive that peace. But it means repenting. Repenting is a fancy word. It means turning. It means turning from your sin in wayward ways. Turning from that attitude that thinks I'm the captain of my own ship and fate. I'm in charge. And you and your hearts know you've proven that to be. 
unworkable, untenable. You know where it's led to you. Repent of trying to do things in your power, in your own way, in rebellion to God and his, and turn to God. Turn to the one who can forgive your sins and give you the peace that you so long for and so desire. Jesus is the only one who can deliver you from the penalty and the power of sin. He promised to do it. And he's the only one who came to do it upon a cross. And he's the only one who could do it because he is God, fully man and fully God, the perfect sacrifice, the sin bearer for you and for me and for all who call upon him. Christ is the only one who can deliver that peace and forgiveness to your heart that you may experience reconciliation with God this morning. There is no other Savior. There is no other emancipator coming. There is no other Christmas. So would you receive joy and peace that can only come from our Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning? If that's your desire, that is your heart, I would love to talk to you after the service. Let's not waste another moment. Today can be the day of salvation. And I want to share in your joy as we do this morning. So for those here, whether you've been a believer for a minute or 50 years, let's now respond to God's grace of salvation. Let us sing. Let God, through his spirit, fill our hearts with wonder and worship as we sing. We're going to sing one last song. We're singing to God. But we're singing to one another. Go tell it on the mountain that we may then go out and tell it to those who have not yet heard. So let's do it. Let us sing. Let's bring up the band first. Let me pray as we transition for one last and final song. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word and for your promises. Oh Lord, we can't believe without you doing a work in our heart. So we're asking by your spirit that you would draw us into these promises, that we would believe them, that we would call out to you this morning, that we would know and believe that these promises of Christ come, of Christ returning for us, is true. And Lord, would you now give us the privilege of singing these truths and of telling it to one another, telling it to those around us. May we have the privilege of seeing those we so love come to a saving knowledge of their Savior this Christmas. Oh Lord, inhabit our praise. May we sing now with all our heart and with the joy that only you can provide, we pray. Amen.